want to be empowered with the Holy Spirit? Are you in need of an uplifting message? It's time for today's Uplift, encouraging words and biblical truths to help you find freedom in the Lord Jesus Christ. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us for Uplift. I'm Phil Bliss. I'm Chad McLeish. I'm Robert Johnson. And Ian is not with us tonight, but uh, he should be back with us next week, hopefully. Well, we have gathered tonight to talk to you about humility, about walking with God in a relationship with God, but how far do we go with it when it comes to letting others know? See, I'm going to kind of start us off by telling you about a, a friend of mine who contacted me and I'm not going to mention any names. And honestly, I don't think he watches this. So, <laughs> but he did say it was okay that I could talk to you about it just in case he does. But he has a friend who um, is very, what's the term? He's very boisterous in his faith. Let's put it that way. He likes to talk about what he can do because of his walk with God. And he really lets a lot of people know it. And, you know, God does want us to share our faith with others. He does want to show people who he is. Um, you know, the disciples, after Jesus died and went into heaven, in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are walking up to the, the beautiful gate. They see a man, the man begs for money, and Peter says, uh, silver and gold I have none, but I give you the Holy Spirit, and he says, and he heals him in that moment. And so, you know, that was a great thing. That was showing who God is and what God's doing through someone. But, but um, where do we, how do we handle that? You know, do we go around telling people, hey, look what I can do. Hey, look what I can do. Or do we draw on humility that God is also asking of us and, you know, step out when asked to. So where is the balance in this Christian walk? So what do you guys think? That's a good question. <laughs> well, I, I'm looking to you for all the answers, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're pointing in the wrong direction. It, it, you need to point at Robert. <laughs> well, we can try that again. You know, the... <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, instead of Hollywood squares tonight, we got the Hollywood triangle. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But no. Okay. So uh, the one thing that I can think about here recently is I've been reading a lot of books for, from some very bold ministers and, and um, teachers. And um, I've really been trying to ask myself the same question because I see these, these, these uh, in these case, these guys, these ministers, and they've been doing this for a long time. It's obvious that they have a very strong relationship with God, and their teaching is is really good. It's very scriptural. It's it, and all those things, and and there's one particular one, and I think I talked about him maybe a couple of weeks ago, mm. where um, his his wife just suddenly died of a of a cancerous tumor that they didn't know about. And he got, you know, he'd done a lot of miracles and things that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, he's got tons and tons and tons of testimony and it's all recorded now on, on YouTube and whatever of the things that they've done in their healing ministries and all the things that they've done over the last 15 years. But he got so bold 
that he challenged uh, Satan and said, bring your best shot. Uh, you know, I'm, you know, my God can, you know, is, is bigger than you, anything that you can bring at me. And, um, you know, however you want to look at that, his wife died suddenly of, of a, a massive cancerous tumor that they didn't know about. And um, where I'm going with this is, is it may be like really stop and hit the pause button and say, well, you know, he's done all these things, but where did he go wrong? Okay. So the one thing that, that was in there was he felt that the Holy Spirit had told him that your wife has cancer at one point and he denied it. Mm. So even, even in the midst of him kind of, let's say, going out beyond God, getting out from under God's feathers or protection that's talked about in Psalm 91, let's say, even though he did go way out beyond what he probably should have, the Holy Spirit was still telling him, trying to tell him through his relationship with God, was still trying to kind of throw up the red flag, and he denied it. So, yeah. man, there's a. I think that there's a lot that can be said and talked about, and I think the one thing that, back to your point, is the humility. So we have, we know in Scripture that we have the power of the Holy Spirit in us. You know, it's it's written in the book. It couldn't be more clear. But what do we do with that? Because we have that power, and Jesus had that power. And, we have, and we're taught that we have the same power within us that Jesus did. Now, it's questionable whether we have the same relationship with God that Jesus did. Okay. <laughs> so there's that. So we have the same power of the Holy Spirit, but do we have the same relationship? And I think that that's the, the key. And it sounds like um, if you're a person who's out there trying to do miracles and, and more or less kind of challenge the devil and show off and, and those sorts of things, number one, you're out beyond the protection of God. You're out from under his feathers in Psalm 91. So you're you're kind of out on your own. And he, you know, that's between God and the person, what's going to happen there. And number two, the relationship. Jesus's power came through his relationship. And he there was, there was a quote that you guys would know way better than me, where Jesus said, I do what the Father tells me. Yeah. And that's that's a chadism. That's my paraphrasing what said. <laughs> that was very good. <laughs> but basically, Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me. Right. So, uh, you know, uh, Jesus didn't go into, and this is something that Robert told me a couple months ago about when Jesus walked into to Nazareth. You know, Jesus didn't just sprinkle the magic fairy dust all over everybody and occur the whole town and fix all the problems. That's not what he did. He did some very specific things. And, you know, like when he healed the the one uh, the, the one fellow, he, he went to and I forget where it was. It's been a long day. But when he went to the one the one place and he healed the one guy, he didn't heal everybody who was there. OK, he didn't heal everyone. He just healed the one guy. And and I question that. Well, wonder why. Well, he was doing what the father told him to do. So I think our relationship is the crux, okay? 
when we want when we foresee something that we need in the physical we have to pray to god about it and ask and that's a very powerful thing that pastor greg moore talked about in his book uh your healing door you have to pray to god and say okay god i'm confident in scripture and I, i'm confident in your promises show me and walk me through what it looks like you know, it's the relationship. Yeah, there's a there's a difference between uh, having uh, authority and being prideful in it. And I think that you know, there's there's a situation where Jesus is tempted by the enemy, and like Matthew four, and he's tempted by the enemy, and the enemy says, "Hey, you're the son of God." Throw yourself down because after all the scripture says you're you're not gonna get harmed. Right. right? And so right. in in one sense, the enemy was not wrong, but Jesus specifically says that he's not gonna test the Lord. That he you don't test God, right? Right. And um, and so there's there's a there's a difference. Here, here's what I think about. Um, authority and boldness and humility. It, I think that um, in situations like Phil, like you were mentioning, like Peter could walk up to the guy, silver and gold, have I none? What I give you, um, get up and walk. Right, the whole the Holy Spirit. Um, here's here's the thing. I think he understood that he could have the boldness to do that because Jesus already said he could do that. Mm-hmm. And so, so I, I think there's a difference. Like we can have the boldness. I think we can declare anything God says that we are. I think we can declare anything God already said we could do. Absolutely. What I think there is a danger of is we start getting so confident in it, in, in what we feel like is our authority or our power, and we end up testing the Lord. Mm-hmm. And then something fails. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think there's a danger there. And, and I, I kind of think about this with like Jericho, right? Jericho was a great spiritual victory. They did everything they were supposed to do. They did exactly what God told them to do. Of course, you have a situation with Aiken, right? So I always remember that guy's mm-hmm. name because it sounds like he's in pain, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I always think, man, that's that's a you know terrible place to be. You're Aiken. And so... <laughs> He, in a situation where he disobeys the Lord and affects the whole camp. But mm-hmm. here's the thing. They went to Jericho. They did everything God told them to do. They did everything they, they knew they could do. So they were bold in being able to declare, Jericho's going to fall. We're going to destroy Jericho. We're going to win. And there's nothing prideful about that statement because God already declared to them this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. He already declared they were going to win the promised land. So in the statements they're making, see, those are statements of faith. Mm-hmm. So whatever God declares us to be and whatever he declares us to do are statements of faith because they're not rooted in myself. They're rooted in something God's already said. Mm-hmm. The Absolutely. danger is the next battle, which is with AI, right? They, they go up against a much smaller city that they shouldn't have any trouble with at all. 
but they get so comfortable about this. So like, man, we have so destroyed Jericho. Oh, what's AI? They, if you pay attention, nobody ever prays about this one. They don't, they just send up whatever many men they think they need, mm-hmm. right? They don't, they, if they would have prayed about it, they would have realized there'd been sin in the camp. There's a serious problem going on. They didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is they immediately learn really quickly that each battle, each de- decision is a God one. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's not going to be them who wins the promised land. Though God said they were going to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not their power or their authority. It's what God declares. And so it, there's like this line between faith and pride. And it's where you begin testing the Lord, right? So you, mm-hmm. you, you end up in the situation where all of a sudden you start thinking it's rooted in you. Mm-hmm. Jesus, because Jesus declared I could do this, he has given me full power to do this. And therefore, like I somehow possess that power mm-hmm. or I possess that authority. And it's it's kind of like it's kind of like, you know, given any position, if you give any position of authority, that authority can be taken away. Mm-hmm. Right. But so if you think you own the authority. You only own it as far as the one who has given it to you takes it away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, so, right. and so there's, I think we have that situation. So the apostles had no problem declaring who they were, had no problem declaring what they could do with the assumption that God already said they could do this or they would do this, understanding it's fully reliant on him. Mm-hmm. And then everything else becomes testing the Lord. Well, you know, you know, and then at some point that becomes very dangerous. It's mm. no longer a statement of faith. Now it's a statement of pride. Mm. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a perfect example, uh, which you gave from Joshua there. That uh, it's just uh, that fits so well. And, you know, along the same lines, we have to remember to always walk in that faith because Moses didn't. You know, Moses. He strikes a rock and water comes out and like, hey, great. And then the next time God says, speak to the rock. He was doing something different in him. Speak to the rock. And Moses was like, okay, I'm going to give you water from the rock. Nothing happened. Here, strike the rock. There's the water. Okay. And God's Mm -hmm. like, no, that's not what I said. I said, speak to the rock. And you didn't. And that got Moses in a lot of trouble. But along those lines, just a funny thing I always laugh about is, when Moses is recounting that story in Deuteronomy, he says, and you caused me to do this. Like it was their fault that he wouldn't own up to the fact that he didn't have faith. But anyway, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, you know, this Christian walk is such a wonderful thing because we're walking with the creator of the universe, but we have to remember two things. But first we got to remember he's the one that gives us the power and authority, but also we have to remember that he gives us the power and authority. You know what I mean? You know, mm-hmm. have faith that he's giving it, but then don't turn it into pride and remember that he's giving it. So it's a, it's a beautiful thing, but there is a balance. Yeah, man, the, these books that I've been reading and these pastors and everything, and, you know, they're trying to pump up people's boldness and they're trying to get people to have faith and courage in, in all these things and the promises 
but it, it it that is such a fine line. But I think one thing that you both kind of touched on, and Robert kind of touched on it, and Phil, you kind of touched on it as well, is the difference is it's not us doing anything; it's God doing it. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. just we're just the vessel. We're just we're just the <laughs> I don't know how else to put it. We're just the ones who are who are acting in faith on God's power, you know, and and, and that's the key. And I think that that's the difference when we approach a situation and we say, okay, scripture says this, that we have this authority to do this. um, Okay, Lord, it's not me. It's you doing this. I'm going to, I'm standing here in faith and I'm proclaiming your promises in scripture, you know, and, 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 that's always been the thing that I've been searching for and in all this information that I've been learning is where is that fine line? Like, how do we find that line in that sort of thing? And because there's a lot of boldness out there being taught and it's not really any, even anything new. I mean, this goes back probably, well, a long, long time, but especially over the ministries that's taken place over the past 150 years, let's call it. Um, you know, very, very bold teaching and very bold standing in faith on scripture and that sort of thing. And some of these people were very successful and some of these people, you know, experienced great success and all that. And, and they were the ones who said, Hey, look, it's not me doing this. It's God, but I got to stand here and take courage in my faith, Mm -hmm. but I got to have the relationship and I got to, I got to, I got to proclaim that God's doing it, not me. Yeah, and you know, it, it is very relational. And and let's and let's think about this. God God is not see this is another issue, right? When Peter, like Phil, going back to that show, when Peter tells that man to get up and walk, he walks for God's glory. Because then they go mm-hmm. right in and preach, right? Here's the reality God's not trying to make us famous or rich. Mm-hmm. He's not into our fame. He's, he's into making everyone understand he's God. It's for his glory. And so I think a lot of times the line that you were talking about, Chad, is drawn on intent of the heart. Yeah. What's your intent here? Is your intent to be, be excited to show everyone how your relationship with God is so powerful that, that you walk in this amazing, unbelievable spiritual authority and power? Mm-hmm. Or... Or is your is your intent to really um, glorify God? And mm-hmm. I, I think that's why that when they talk about love, it, it's so important because love is all about unselfish behavior. True love is always about the concern for the other, right? What you are willing to do for the other because you love them. Mm-hmm. Like what I, what you know? I love my son. What am I willing to do for my son? Well, I'm willing to do anything. I love my wife. What am I willing to do for my anything? Right. It, it, it has nothing to do with concern for myself. So when we say we love the Lord, what are we saying? We're saying this is my concern is not for myself. I love the Lord. I want him to be glorified. I want I want him to shine. Uh, and going back to like Moses, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but, um, and I'm sure, Phil, I'm sure you probably do, and Chad, I'm sure you do, but a lot of people don't realize Paul actually makes reference to this statement because I always used to be kind of mad, like, God, I mean, Moses gets yeah. mad 
one time, and of course it was more than one time, right? But this is, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I don't know that I would have done, I mean, you know, these people are stiff neck people out of your own mouth. You've said this and he gets mad he strikes the rock a second time and going, man, and that stops him from entering the promise. And I'm like, so there's a lot of times I was like, God, man, it's hard to follow you. Like, man, this is rough. Like, this is a harsh thing until I realize what actually happens. And you go to Paul, and let me read this. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, and this is what, this is why I went, oh, okay, it makes sense. Like, because this was, remember, it's about loving the Lord. It's about his glorification. And Moses did something very bad. So here it is. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10. He says they, and this is starting with verse two. He says they were all immersed into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, referring to manna, and they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Messiah. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. And so the context was the wilderness. And the whole point was the whole living water context. G- Jesus was supposed to be represented. So Moses didn't just um, injure, you know, his own pride or something like this. Moses actually stopped a messianic picture from coming about mm-hmm. for the whole nation. Mm-hmm. And so what happens right. is God is like, no, see, my obedience to me in this case was of extreme importance, Moses, because I was trying to glorify myself. I was trying to point to my son. And because of your anger, you decided that wasn't going to be shown Jesus. So in other words, Jesus was not shown to the community because Moses decided he would show his anger instead. Right. And so what happens is, you know, you read like James, I always point out that like James one twenty. Cause I remember this cause sometimes I get angry, right? Like I, I get mad and I always remember what that scripture says that the wrath of man does not bring about uh, the will of God. Mm-hmm. So the anger of mankind does not bring about God's will. Mm-hmm. And it almost brings me back to this point. So, so in this sense, what we have is like all these things that God does, he does for a reason. And there's no way Moses was going to know that striking the rock yeah. a second time was destroying the picture of Jesus. Right, right, right. But God's not asking him to know that. God's asking him to obey because everything God does is long term and it has eternal consequences. And, and so if we'll pay attention to what God says, it leaves a legacy of glorifying Jesus. It leaves a legacy. And see, to me, that's that comes back to the whole relational aspect again. Do mm-hmm. you love God enough to obey the Lord in every circumstance that he may leave a legacy that glorifies himself and his son that he's going to use you to be part of that? And so I, I really think it comes to intent of the heart. What is your intent of the heart here? you know, with regard to humility, authority, faith, and testing, right? Like what, what is, what is the intent of the heart? Right. Uh, and so, you know, Peter's, in, I, I think when we see great miracles taking place, people aren't trying to glorify themselves. And, and what's beautiful is when you see miracles actually happening, 
you never really see somebody going, look at what I did. Right. Yeah. When yeah. Right. are taking place, it's man, people are what it's leading them to worship God. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah. so always pointing back to him and what he's able to do and what he's doing. And then we start setting up stones of remembrance of what he's done. That's mm-hmm. that, that he can do this again or that he could do something bigger, you know, that it, it builds our faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I think you said it best when you said you're not going to see a miracle and someone say, look what I've done, because God knows that that person would say that and probably the miracle wouldn't happen unless God had intended to go beyond that person. So, you know, again, it's not about the person. It's about the one who's giving the power. And another thing about Moses, um, you know, God shared, shed his grace on him. He didn't kill him right away. He could have. He let him actually walk up to the top of the mountain and look out and see the promised land. He couldn't go in, but he at least got to see it. You know, there's other people. Yeah. Um, uh, what's it? Aaron's sons, you know, with the strange fire. They were gone immediately, you know. <laughs> so God certainly shed his grace on Moses for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, this, I don't uh, mean to downplay Moses. Moses, I love Moses, one of my favorite people in scripture. Yeah. And, you know, God gives one of the greatest accolades to Moses that you'll ever find in scripture Mm. when he says, I speak to Moses as a friend. Mm, Everyone else I speak to in riddles, but not Moses. Mm -hmm. Everyone else has to kind of cover themselves, but not Moses. Yeah. Like there's a major, like there's this, just this friendship. Right. I mean, who else in scripture does God bury their body? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, no, I'm going to handle the funeral for this one. Like, I mean, you know, this is, I mean, this is powerful, right? This is a very power. And yet, God still disciplines Moses in this situation. And, but, but I think we, we just have to realize everything is still built around love, even discipline is love. Yeah. And that's why it's the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All right. I got a question. I got a question for you guys. I got a question. All right. So we're talking about authority and authority and and relationship and testing God and all that. All right. So I'm just going to lay this out there and then I'm just going to toss up this volley and you guys can swing at it or or whatever. I'm giving you a nice little soft serve here, but what about Elijah at Mount Carmel? Tell me about that. So, so Elijah, you know, goes up on Mount Carmel and, you know, everything that happens there. And, and basically, mm. he's, you know, uh, you know, all the, you Baal worshipers, you, you do your thing and, and my God versus your God and let him go until whatever time in the afternoon. And then, He's like, okay, and then he prepares his sacrifice and uh, dump. they dump water, all the water on it, and then, boom, God lights a fire. So, obviously, God didn't think that Moses was testing him, or, or, or Elijah, I mean. God didn't think Elijah was testing him. So, Elijah, do you guys feel that the Lord said, told Elijah to do that? Hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna Go take a swing. all right. So here's here's my swinging at it. <laughs> Elijah is actually one of the guys that uh, is mentioned about prayer 
in, in the, again, in the book of James says the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the example that's given is Elijah. Now, one thing that's mentioned about Elijah is the, and it's weird. It's always been weird to me, but James brings up where he prayed for no rain. Then he prayed for rain. If you go back and read that Elijah just basically prays for what God tells him to pray for. Mm-hmm. Right. He's, he's not, He's, he just, God just basically tells Elijah, if you pay attention, he says, hey, Elijah, pray for no rain. So Elijah goes on the mountain and goes, don't let it rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? like, and then like three years later, after this Mount Carmel experience, he goes, okay, now go on the mountain. So like, and he says, okay, pray for rain. And so Elijah goes up on the mountain, he prays for rain and it, and it rains. He's just doing what God tells him to do in the and these are the bookends of that experience, by the way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are yeah. the bookends. In this situation, it's not Elijah who's testing the Lord. It's Ahaz and Jezebel. They keep testing the Lord and testing the Lord and testing the Lord. They're killing his prophets. They're uplifting Baal or Baal. You know, they're they're lifting him up, saying how great he is and Jezebel is is evil enough to literally speak evils publicly against God and his prophets. And so there's a real test here. Ahaz is a Ahaz reminds me of kind of like the passive husband. Well, I'm going to go along with it because my wife does. Mm. And and so God keeps warning Ahaz to kind of take authority as the king and be a man of God. And Ahaz just refuses. And Jezebel's ready to just kill everybody who would say anything about the Lord. Um, she's so into Baal, she can't see anything else. And of course, we know their end is not good, right? What's interesting is, so this whole experience, Elijah is very bold in this. And I think he feels he can be bold in this because he's, uh, remember, prophets are always pointing back to the Torah. They're always telling people to come back to the Torah. The Torah has already said, God's law already said, do not turn to idols. If you turn to these gods, then I'm going to bring these things on you, right? Like it's it's the Deuteronomy blessing and curses. God warns them that plagues are going to happen. Things, and what happens? They're, they're currently in a drought, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think what Elijah is doing is he's taking away all their excuses. He's taking away all their excuses because if he goes and prays first, they're going to say, see, you didn't give us a chance to pray because Baal would have answered. So he takes that excuse away. And then he's and then he takes the excuse of, oh, well, you had the best offering. So he said, you pick out the choicest things. Go ahead. Right. So they had the best offering. They had the first prayer. And then he didn't want them to think, well, it's just so dry that it just caught fire, you know. So he douses it with tons of water, right? I think Elijah just literally takes away every possible excuse Mm -hmm. that they have to admit only God could have done this. And uh, and and then in the mix of it, yeah, he he gets pretty bold because he starts ripping on Baal, right? He's like, "Oh, maybe Baal's asleep. Maybe you should shout louder." Like, yeah. "Oh, maybe." And this is probably a little bit of uh, of just the the uh, well, the comedy session for a believer, right? And so, and he, at one point, he even says, "Maybe maybe uh, Baal's in the bathroom." You know, he's <laughs> he's leaving himself in the bathroom. Yes. 
And if you read this in the Hebrew, this is not like he's he's pretty bold about this, right? But um, but I think he takes every excuse away. And what's also interesting is Elijah's name is actually what the people are chanting. Because Elijah's name means what Elijah's ministry is about. Elijah's name means Yavah is God. Hmm. And so if you pay attention to what they chant after this Mount Carmel experience, then they're actually chanting Elijah, 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 Elijah. In other words, Yavah is God. Mm. And it was made clear on that mountain. And it really, it really goes back to what Joshua said. Hey, I'm, as for me and my family, I'm going to serve the Lord. You guys need to choose what you're going to do. And so he mm -hmm. makes that. He makes them choose, but he leaves no doubt, no doubt. So I don't, I don't see Elijah as testing. And I, and to be honest, I, I think Elijah, if you read through his life, he pretty much does everything God tells him to do as far as like when God says, it, he goes, okay, I'll go do this. Right. Kind of like the whole righteous, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So I think, you know, what is God asking you to pray for? Okay. Well then go pray for it. Cause it's going to happen. You know? Um, so those kind of things. And I think we see that in Elijah. So I don't think he's testing the Lord as much. I think Ahaz and Jezebel have been testing the Lord for years. Mm. This mm -hmm. drought, even through all this, I think just testing the Lord for years. And mm -hmm. so it, it almost leads up to this showdown, this showdown on Mount Carmel. Mm -hmm. And obviously Elijah with, was within the, was within the the guidance and and direction of the Lord because God made it happen. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. and beyond what was right. expected by looking up all the water. So I've thought Everyone. about that. A, yeah, I mean I've thought about that a lot. So what does that mean for us? You know, like uh, what? How do we know when to be bold and when to not? And I guess the result of that is it comes down to our relationship with God. I love how Paul says it in First Corinthians four that we have this faith in jars of clay. You know, a clay pot can be so easily broken, and but it's it can hold so much. It, it can have so much value, and it can last. You know, you, you go to the ancient world and you dig up, they find clay pots all the time or fragments of them. They just last. So it's just such a statement of what we have, and the best way to continue to grow in it is to continue to seek God through prayer and through a relationship with him and allowing him to teach us and guide us and change us and move us along. It's the best way. I mean, certainly we get help from other people, but they got their help from God. So we're getting it from God ultimately. Well, you know, you know it, it's we're just bold. We're bold with things we believe, right? I mean, we're mm -hmm. bold. Mm -hmm. Look, if I asked either one of you, if I said, Hey, has Jesus come into your life and saved you and transformed your life? What would you tell me? Absolutely. Are you bold 100%. enough to say that to others? Oh, yeah. Are you bold enough to say that it will happen to them too? You know, I believe it, but there are times when I want to say it to others and I know they don't believe it. And that even causes me to, to pull back a little. So that's a good question. I need to be more bold to believe like, it. I mean, that's what our faith is, right? I have yeah. total faith that Jesus has saved my life. I'm just a different guy, not the same. 
But I also have that same faith also gives me the boldness to tell others about him. Mm -hmm. What he has done for me, he can do for you. Mm -hmm. And so we're very bold about that. Okay, well, what about the other things Jesus told us? Mark 16, right? Hey, you can cast out demons, lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover, right? Even to the right. place of, you know, you're going to spread the Great Commission, a viper could bite you, and you're okay, and drink deadly poison, you're okay. Now, I'm not saying, again, there's a fine line here. We see this in Paul's life. I mean, a viper literally bites him, right, at one yeah, point. Right. Takes it off, and everybody thinks he's a god, right? And he's like, "No, I'm just a follower of Jesus," and and so there's this boldness there. But we can also test it because we have snake handling churches, and you know, it's like they're <laughs> testing the Lord, so they're they're pushing it too far. I can have the boldness of knowing that I can do what Jesus said, and and it's just like the same as the testimony of Christ. We have the boldness of the testimony of Christ. Mm -hmm. And we believe it can happen for everyone on earth. That's what Jesus tells us. Mm. And yet other things that he tells us, we're not so, we're not so bold about. And I, I, I think it's a relational issue. I think it's a faith issue. Like I think, I think going back to Elijah, I think that's what James is trying to tell us that the prayers of a righteous person availeth much. I think the relationship is supposed to lead you to the understanding of confidence in hearing God's voice. And you get so confident in it that it changes your life and you actually know what he wants you to do. And so you have the boldness of it. Mm. And that becomes a life of vision and that becomes a life of victory and, and a lot of people have to almost like their faith almost has to build to that, I think. But it, it reminds me of a story that I've heard. It, it's from Max Lucado called The Song of the King. And I don't know if you guys have ever read it or heard about it, but I encourage you to read it if you ever can. But Max Lucado wrote this story. And this is I'm going to give you a gist of it as quickly as I can. I'll, I'll give it a, a you know, so it's not going to be perfect, but here it is. Basically, what it is, is the king says, hey, whoever goes out and goes on this quest will get to marry my daughter. So he's going to send out three of his best knights. And one of them is the, is the quickest. One of them is the strongest. One of them is the wisest. And they each get to choose a companion. And so he sends them out on the quest. Now, the most dangerous part of the journey is the forest of the Hope Nuts. It gets very dark in those places. And most of the time, people who get into that forest never find their way out. And so it's the, the forest of the Hope Nuts. The king said, but rest assured, I know it's going to be hard when you go through there and you're coming, you know, you go on your quest, you're coming back. He said, it's going to be very difficult in that force. He said, but here's, here's what you're going to know. He said, I'm going to play my song the same time every day to help guide you back to the castle. And so they go out on their quests. You know, they all chose their companions. They went out on their quest. And days and days went by. A lot of people were wondering who was going to be the knight that makes it through, who was going to be the one that's, that does it. 
And lo and behold, days and days go by, and they finally see one of the knights have made it through with his companion. And that's the one that gets to marry the daughter. And so they, they hurry up and they don't want anybody to see. They're going to they're gonna reveal it at the right time. And so they bring him into the castle. Nobody knows which one. So at the night of the banquet, they reveal who it is. And it was the knight who's the wisest. And he said, man, it was, it was a difficult journey. He said, King, it was worse than you know. He said, because in the... In the forest of the hope knots, there are places that are so dark, you can't see anything in front of you. He said, there are places that are so bad. And he said, the people there are so dark and so lost. They, they, they can't find their way out of the forest and they entrap you into the forest so that you can't leave. And he said, uh, he said, the worst part is that they mimic your song. Mm. So when you play your song, they play a song that is so similar that if that we just don't we can't hardly hear it mm. we can't tell the direction to go so the king was like well how did you know how did you make it out when none of the others could how did you make it out and he said it was all about the companion i chose and so he revealed the companion that he chose and it was the king's son mm. Because the king's son knew the king's song. And he knew it so well that he said, what happens is I, I, I made it through the forest because I learned your song because of your son. And every time your song was beginning to be played and the hope knots would play the song so I couldn't hear it, I, I told the son, play your father's song so that I would learn it so well that I wouldn't give in to the ones who were mimicking the song. And he said, I learned your song so well, I was able to make it through the forest and get to the castle. And, uh, and I think that's kind of the point, right? I think yeah. it's not about the pride we have, or um, it's not about thinking how much we can do. It's like Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. I think it's about the companion we choose. We, we choose to follow Christ. And in following Christ, just like he tells Philip, he says, have I been with you this long and you don't know me? Because Philip said, just show us the father and it'll be fine. And Jesus says, I am the father of one. And so when we choose Christ, we choose the father. Mm -hmm. and, we, and we learn from Jesus what that looks like to follow the father. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, that's when all the other things follow. That's when we can do the things that Jesus would do mm -hmm. because we learn it so well. Right. And we, we follow it so well, not because we think it's somehow us or somehow, you know, our authority and things like that. I think that's a little bit of what we see with things like Elijah being able to do what he could do. All the, all the biblical heroes we think of, that's the point of Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. Mm -hmm. It's not because these guys live perfectly. It's because they believed well. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I think that's the thing, right? So we choose the son, we choose the right companion and believe well. And as we continue to pray and seek that relationship, 
that's the point. We will find the Father. We will find those what we're supposed to do and who He is. Mm. Wow, that was good. Sorry. Um, unfortunately, we are way over time, but that's okay. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been a great conversation, but uh, we do need to wrap it up now. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I feel a little better coming out of this than I did coming into this conversation tonight. I, I learned quite a bit and. Uh, I hope that our audience has as well. Um, it's really been a great, great talk tonight, guys. Really good. Yeah, we learn we learn something every week, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. That's why we do it. Yep. Right. All right. Well, um, I will not be with all you guys next week. So um, I'm sure it'll be wonderful, though. Uh, I think Ian should be back. But um Chad, I'm handing the reins over to you for all the technical stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're in, in the pulpit, too, next week. That's a little... That's tip right. Thing. Yes, you are taking it over uh, the pulpit, too. Yeah. Uh, yep, I'm looking forward to that. No pressure, but I'm, no, I, I know no it's pressure. No pressure. No pressure. As you learn, as you learn the, the Song of the King, right, he, he gets you to represent him, too. So That's right. That's, that's right. That <laughs> that's right. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for joining in tonight. Give us some feedback on this show, if you would, and let us know what you thought. Uh, we really appreciate all of you watching um, or listening on the podcast, whatever way you prefer. And uh, we're just very glad to be able to bring it to you each and every week. So thanks for joining us for Uplift tonight. Have a good evening. Good night.